Father, thank you, God, for what we've experienced. God, for calling out to you, Lord, through that, we have gotten to seek the face of God. We've gotten to be able to be close to you through our worship. And Father, I thank you for that. God, I thank you for the testimony of Dawn as she's just shared her heart and, God, how she was gripped by fear. And Father, if we're a child of God, we don't have to be owned by fear. And that's, it's so real in everybody's life. God, fear is something that we all deal with. Fear of something happening to our children or something happening to us or, 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 or losing a job or, or any of those things. God, there's just things that, that, that come into our life and we're gripped by fear. But the good news, the good news is that there's a kingdom where fear does not rule and does not reign. Only the goodness of God rules and reigns. And that is the kingdom of God. And I praise your name for that. God, and if we're gripped by fear, Lord, that that fear does not come from you, that comes from the enemy, and God, it can be squelched if we just tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. God, whether that be through salvation or that be just tuning in to your Holy Spirit who dwells within us. God, if somebody here, they're not a Christian and they know that and they're gripped by fear, God, the only remedy for that, the only solution, God, is to, to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is only through the power of your Holy Spirit that we can have victory over fear. Lord, if I pray that there's somebody that's like that, they don't have a relationship with you, God, they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ today. Lord, and then for those Christians that are here and they are gripped by fear, Lord, I pray that they would tune into your Holy Spirit, God, that you would speak truth into their life right now through the power of your word, God, that you would set them free. Father, thank you so much for the power of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit to use your word for your glory. God, be glorified now in this time as we look into your word and what it says to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So we're in a series right now called Prayer. I try to pick out very complicated names for our series. You know, being simple church and all, I figure we have to have a very complicated name for our sermon series. So this one is uh, pretty complicated. It's called Pray. I, I said prayer. It's actually Pray because uh, the ER would make it a little more complicated. So we shortened it down to just Pray. Um, and, and the whole idea behind this is that I, I think that a lot of people, quote unquote, pray. And I think a lot of people have heard a lot of other folks pray. But I don't really know if we know what the biblical definition of prayer really is. I mean, if we look at, at how Jesus prayed and the way he taught us to pray, I think it's probably pretty different than what you hear in most churches today. Uh, if you look at the prayer that happens inside most hospital rooms today, I think it's probably a little bit different than what you would see Jesus praying. I, I just think that, that maybe sometimes because of our own selfish nature, we kind of get away from the real prayers that we're supposed to be praying. And, and we, we, we praying, but it's not really to God. It's really about us, and it's for us, and it's all about us. You know what I'm saying? And we learned last week, we talked about last week that that, that some of the ways that you know that something is of God, if it's others driven, remember I said that? Like if it's focused on somebody else, if it's beyond you, then more than likely it's the will of God. And it's God speaking to you and not your own selfish fleshly desires that are speaking. That's one of the ways that you know. And the other way that you know, I'll just fill you in really quickly, is if it's scriptural. So those two things are kind of the two uh, keystones, if you will, behind is this God speaking to me or is this me speaking to myself? Um, is it others-driven, and is it scriptural? But you know the other part about prayer that really gets kind of messed up a lot of times, I think, and I've been guilty of this, so I, I'm, I'm going to confess my sin before you, and that is that, that we say a lot of, quote-unquote, rehearsed prayers. 
right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for this food. By his hands we are fed. Thank you, God, for daily bread, right? Has anybody ever heard that before? Yeah, it's one or two. Good. Uh, two people on this side have. None of you guys have ever heard that. Did you not go to preschool? You know what I'm saying? Like, you... you Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, so there's three people on this side, two people on that side. None of you people went to preschool. You've heard that a million times, right? Like, this is how you pray. You recite this, and something happens, right? Like, just recite this, and I don't even know what we're doing sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, we recite something we've heard before. You're not, first of all, you're not talking to God, for one thing. That's not who you're talking to. You're just talking, first of all. And we're going to look closely next week. You, you need to buckle up for next week because we're going to look closely at who God is. I want you to know who you're talking to, all right? And I promise you, if you recognize what the Scripture says about who God is, you will walk away with reverence and with a holy fear of God in such a way that when you pray to God, hopefully it will change the way you pray to God. That you will not simply just recite something and walk away and say, I've done my daily duty. You know, I, I've said this prayer and, and now I'm good. I, I literally, I was at China Luck about a month ago and I heard, you know, there's this family together and, and I, I think I may have told you this story, but that's okay. I tell you like stories five times anyway. But anyway, so there was this family there and they were like looking around because they knew that they should pray, right? They knew that that's what they were supposed to do when they were sitting at the table. Well, the, the kids look around, and they kind of look to the, I think it's maybe the granddad or something. He was an older gentleman, and he was there, and like they, they were like, well, we need to pray. And, and granddad goes, I, I don't know, and it's okay. Look, if, if you're one of these people, and you've never really prayed out loud, that's okay. You know how you get better at praying out loud? You pray out loud? If you feel uncomfortable praying out loud in front of people, you know how you get better at praying out loud in front of people? You pray out loud in front of people. You know how you, how you get more comfortable with it? As you be uncomfortable a little bit, and then as you do it more, you're a little bit less uncomfortable. I, like, the stuff we teach here at Simple Church is crazy. I know, I know. Like, you're like, dude, are you telling me if I do it more, even though it's uncomfortable, that I will be less uncomfortable at it? Yeah, mm-hmm. Yep, that's the way it happens. You know, when I first preached, it was like in front of 700 people, and I was like, I was like a basket case, all right? Like, I mean, I like, I, I which I don't do this anymore, but I used to like rehearse my sermons. I'd like get in, in the basement, and I'd like be yelling and screaming and throwing stuff, and like, that's how, that's how I thought I was supposed to preach, and like, man, I was a basket case preaching for the very first time in front of 700 people. <laughs> like, I didn't, I was like... I have no idea what I'm doing up here, God. I, apparently, you do. I'm going to trust you, but this don't look good from my perspective, by the way. But, I mean, I mean literally, I, I was so nervous. As a matter of fact, we were talking about this yesterday. Somebody said, well, what happens, Ken, if you get up there and, like, you just freeze up and can't say anything? You know, what if you just do the whole, this number, right? Like, you just lock up up there. And my father-in-law speaks up for me. He says, well, I guess... I guess I'll just go get him. You know what I mean? Like, come on, son. Um, come on, let's, let's go home now, you know? <laughs> Glad I got a loving father-in-law that would pat me on the back and say, it's okay, we're going to go home now. We're going to go get something to eat. It's going to be all right. Don't worry about it, you know? I promise you, if you are uncomfortable praying in front of people, 
If you'll do it more, you'll become more comfortable with it. It'll become easier for you. It'll become something that's more natural feeling to you. Because it is kind of unnatural. You know why it's unnatural? Because God says we're supposed to pray alone. The, the, the picture of our lives and our prayer life is supposed to be one where we do it alone. That, that's pretty, we're going to talk about that in a second, so uh, I'll just save that. But I saw this dude at, at, uh, at China Luck, and everybody was looking at him like he was supposed to pray because he was the man, and he was the oldest, and, like, and he just said, all right, we're going to pray. Y'all ready? All right, kids, say it along. God is great. God is good. Let us, you know, and I was like, are you really talking to God right now? The creator of the universe, the, the one who knits you together in your mother's womb, the one who knows the number of hairs on your head, the one that, that created the rocks under your feet, him, that, that's the one you're praying to and talking to right now. Is that right? It is. It didn't sound like that. It just sounded like something rehearsed. It didn't have a whole lot of meaning to it. And I, I used to be this way. Um, when I was in high school, I was a band geek. Look, I confess everything up here in front of you guys. But So I was in the band. I was in the band. And, it, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, right? I'm not saying it's a, it's, a, it's a terrible thing. But one of the things we used to do was we would pray before we went out onto the field. I don't know if you can do this anymore. Probably not. They've probably taken that out. You can't do it anymore. You get fired. Whatever. I don't care. Uh, you can still pray before you go out onto the field, by the way, if you're in band. You know that? You, you can still pray. They may not be in front of everybody, but you can still pray. I told you last week that they have not taken prayer out of schools. That hasn't happened. Prayer is still up to the individual person. They can still pray anytime they want to. It's still possible to pray in schools. Sure is. You may not be able to pray over the loudspeaker of the football game, but you can still pray in school. And I, I, I think that, that the more powerful prayers are not the ones that are done over the loudspeaker of the football game, but the ones that are done in the hallways with a kid leaned up against his locker in the middle of break time. I think those are the more powerful prayers, by the way. Why don't we focus on those prayers, you know? Instead of getting all fired up about being able to pray over the intercom, let's, let's focus on those prayers. Let's focus on you leaning up against your locker when you have break time and just taking two minutes to talk to the almighty creator of the universe. Why don't we do that? Sound like a good plan? Let's do that. Let's do that. I think these, we used to, in band, we used to recite the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what the Lord's Prayer is and Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Now, what he didn't say was, when you pray, pray this prayer, Okay. He didn't say, what you got to do is recite this prayer. He said, when you pray, you need to pray in this way. All right? And some people have taken that, well, I just need to pray the Lord's Prayer. Is there anything wrong with praying the Lord's Prayer? No. I will say that up front. There's nothing wrong with praying the Lord's Prayer. You can do that. We did that in band, and it was fine, and it whatever. But what I will say is this, that I, I believe that that is a model prayer, and that is the way we're supposed to pray. And we should not get in a routine of just saying some words to God. Now, y'all like funny videos, right? I like funny videos. We've got a funny video by a guy named Tim Hawkins. He's a Christian comedian. And he talks about, for just a second, if you give me a minute and 17 seconds to make you laugh for just a second, we're going to look at what he says about some of these things that people pray and, like, does it make a whole lot of sense or not? You know what I mean? Because they pray out of routine or they pray these certain things and they don't really... I don't really think about what they mean. So this is kind of funny, and I like funny stuff, and this is Simple Church. And people are like, well, you can't really do that in here. Well, we're about to. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the standard is for what you can and can't do necessarily, but I believe that this glorifies God, so that's what we're going to do. So go ahead and play the video, Jim. 
I like Tim Hawkins. I, <laughs> I had to watch that video like five times this morning so I wouldn't just laugh and be crying and stuff. And I, see. I don't know why he says the devil walks around like this. <laughs> what is this greenery, you know? Talks like a game show host. I can do that, right? I can do a good Tim Hawkins impression of the devil, so uh, it's really weird. Anyway, I, I really like that. But we do, we say some stuff, man. It's like, why are we saying that? You know, is this really us talking to God or is us just talking to be talking because I feel like that's what we should be doing, you know? And, and, and I think it's good to have routine prayer, okay? Let me say that up front, too. Is I think it's good to pray over your meal. I don't think it's good to have a routine, rehearsed, uh, just, I'm going to just recite this kind of prayer. I don't believe that's good. Uh, we, we ask God in my family, we ask God to bless the food to the nourishment of our bodies and some people struggle with that word nourishment. They're like, I can't get it out. I don't know if it's the nourishment of our body. But anyway, so, um, so some people struggle with that. They hear us say it, and they think that they're supposed to say nourishment. And that's, that's okay. It's okay to, to ask those things. But in our prayers, we don't just ask for that. We don't ask God to provide nourishment through the food that he's given us. We actually we, we talk about things to God that are really heavy on our hearts. And we tell him how much we trust him and how much we just love him and want to communicate with him. And we do that at meals in my family. We, we, that's just something we do. I do that alone uh, when, when, I, when I'm eating. I do that when I'm, when I'm in the cafeteria at work. I, I just I do that. It's, it, it's a good thing for me to remember where the food came from and the fact that God has blessed me with it. And there are many people that won't have a meal on the particular day. As I'm, as I'm about to eat a meal, there, there are many, many thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people potentially that won't even have a meal that whole day and I get to have one and what a blessing that is and I choose to thank God for that and I don't think there's anything wrong with that having a designated time like that when you pray. I, I don't think that there's a problem with you praying in the morning when you have a devotional time to, to get up and to, to read God's word or to read a devotional and pray with God. That's great, that's fine, that's wonderful. But I just don't want you to get in a habit of saying some rehearsed prayer and then thinking that's all that it is. It's just you saying stuff to God. I want you to pray. I really do. I want you to talk to God, communicate with God. Tell him what's on your heart. Tell him what's breaking your heart. Tell him how desperately you need him in your life. I'm talking about talking to God. Sometimes I don't think it, it, it's like, we don't talk to somebody like we don't talk to God like it's somebody we have a relationship with. We just talk at God, not to God. You know what I'm saying? You, you've been in conversations like that with somebody, right? And you can tell that that <laughs> like they're not really wanting to hear what you have to say. They're just wanting to talk at you. You know what I mean? I believe that's the way we address God sometimes. And I don't want us to be like that. I don't want us to look at what Jesus says is the model prayer in Matthew chapter six. I want us to take a, a look at that this morning for just a few minutes and see what, what Jesus says about the way that we're supposed to pray. Now, we'll be in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, where he actually talks about how, you, how the, the, the environment in which you're to pray. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly in the street corners and the synagogues where, they, where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth uh, that... That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now, is this to say that we're never supposed to pray in public? No, that's not what it's saying. 
I, I think that there's an indication here that these people, that the Pharisees that he's talking about, they love to pray in, in public because they wanted accolades for their, their prayer. They want people to say, oh man, look how holy that person is. Look how good that person is. Now, if you pray like that in publicly in front of your family, then yes, you have the wrong heart. And yes, you are sinning against God by praying the wrong way. You're not really talking to God. Who are you talking to if you're trying to impress the other people around you when you pray? You're talking to the other people around you. You're not talking to God. And here, Jesus says, man, if you want, if you want to really pray, if you really want to talk to God, to get alone by yourself... Make sure you're not worried about who else cares, and you talk to your father. These men that are interested in the accolades of other men, that everybody is impressed by them, that's all they'll ever get. It'll just be on this earth. You need to pray like you're going to spend eternity with God. You're going to spend eternity in his presence. You're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Pray like that. Now let me say this. You know, you know what the sad part is? I think Jesus has given an indication here that the Pharisees really rarely prayed in private. That all their prayers were pretty much in public and that's the only time they prayed. And I think that's a messed up scenario right there. Now, I want, you, I want you to think about this, men and women, as you praying over your food for your family. You say, okay, Kenny, we're taking a step here. We're, 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 we're praying, okay, and we're talking to God. Uh, we're, we're talking to God before we eat, and, and that's a big step for me and my family, okay? Great. That is wonderful. If the number of times you pray out loud for your food is greater than the number of times when you pray privately to God and get alone with God, then you're out of whack. Things are messed up. There should be more times when you pray in private and seeking God's face when it's just you and Him than when you pray publicly. The percentages are supposed to be weighed heavily towards the private prayer and very minimal towards the public prayer. You got me on that? That's pretty straightforward, right? Listen to what he says, verse 7. It says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating words over and over again. You remember I said repetitious prayers don't really have a lot of meaning to them? They say, well, I'll just say over and over and over again, and maybe God will hear me. And, and I, I, you know what? I believe that when we, when we truly pray to God and we ask God to intervene in our lives uh, for something that's really big and really heavy on us, I believe when, when, we, when we recognize those things, the first couple of times we'll probably say, look, there's this drug addiction, there's this divorce, there's this relationship, there's, there's something going on here that is, it is messed up and God, I'm bringing it to you. I'm bringing it to you. And then maybe the second time we go, God, there's a situation that's still heavy on my heart. It's still breaking me in two, and, and God, I'm bringing it to you. But I think after a while, we need to just start saying, God, you know what's going on, and I trust you. Remember we talked about last week about God wants us to, to have a relationship with him, a deep communication with him. He wants us to communicate with him, and he wants us to trust him. And he wants us to acknowledge with our lips that we trust him. He says, don't go on and on again repeating your words. He says, don't be like them. Your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. Pray like this. Jesus says, when you want to pray and you want to talk to God, pray like this. He didn't say, like I said, he didn't say pray this prayer, repeat this prayer and you'll be good. He says, pray like this. It's good that we actually go over these things, right? Because some people are like, I thought I was just supposed to pray the Lord's Prayer all the time. 
I thought, I thought that that was really good if I just prayed the Lord's Prayer and that did something in heaven and like it was good and there was like this eternal check mark that got put by my name and I got a gold star or something. Like I thought that that's what you're supposed to do. No, Jesus said pray like this. Jesus, the Son of the living God, the one who, who was there when all of creation happened, that guy, he was there with God and he says pray like this. Pray like this. This seems like it'd be a good model to follow after. Don't you agree? I think that if we, we like, okay, who am I supposed to pray like? Maybe Jesus, when he says, pray like this, maybe that's a good, good way to start. All right, enough, Kenny. We get the point. All right. This is the way he says it. Our Father in heaven. Acknowledging straight from the get-go. God is in heaven. Now, why is this important? It's recognizing, first of all, I think, looking at, at Scripture, it's acknowledging the fact that God is eternal. God is, is the beginning. He's the end. He's everything. And there's nothing above him. Okay? If you look at where God is and the placement of things, and, and you acknowledge not only the fact that he is physically in heaven, but you acknowledge that his place of supremacy in your life God, this is you. This is who you are. I acknowledge with my lips, first and foremost, that you are the God of heaven and of earth, that you are above everything else, that you reign supreme. You are the God in heaven. Acknowledging that in prayer, first thing. That's the first thing Jesus says we're supposed to say. God, I recognize who you are and how magnificent you are. And he even goes on to say, may your name be kept holy. It may say in your King James Version, hallowed be thy name, right? That's what it says. May your name be kept holy. Recognizing, you know what the word holy means? You know what, I should tell you that, right? Like I'm the guy up here and you're out there. I should tell you what it means. So the name holy, the, the word holy doesn't, everybody thinks of holy as in like this spiritual purity thing. Like, like you're supposed to be like really, really good. And if you're really, really good, then you're really, really holy. Right? Everybody kind of thinks that way. Really, literally what the, the word means is to be set apart, to be completely unique. God is so completely unique in, in, in his goodness and who he is that he is holy. To be holy literally means to be set apart, to be unique, if you will. And here, Jesus is saying, pray like this. He says, pray that you acknowledge first your God is in heaven that he reigns supreme, and that he is completely unique, that there is no one like him, that everything about him is completely different than everything you've ever known. God, you are separate than everything I can comprehend with my feeble brain. You're just different. And that's the God I'm praying to. Is, is that how you pray? Is, is, that, is that the way you start your prayers? God, I acknowledge you are holy, you are separate, you are unique, you are eternal, you are supreme in heaven and in earth. Look at what he says next. May your kingdom come soon. I got into an argument with a Jehovah's Witness over this one. I told you before, I don't know why they come to my house. The dude, I mean, like, I spend an hour out there on my front. I won't let him come into my house, and maybe that's wrong of me. I don't know. I just don't feel led to. 
But I'll spend all day out there with him talking on my porch if he wants to. I'll, I'll, I'll tell him about scripture. and we'll, I, I figure by now it would be blacklisted, but the dude keeps coming back. He keeps leaving propaganda on my door. I'm, I'm like, man, we've been over this like five times. You keep coming back. Uh, anyway, I, I continue to pray for the guy and bless his heart. I, I told him, I said, you need to stop listening to what people say about this book you got in your hand and you need to go read it for yourself. I tell people to go to Christian churches, the same thing, but like you need to stop listening to what people say about it. You need to go and read it for yourself. I tell people in Simple Church the same thing. You don't need to listen to me. You need to go and read it for yourself. And if you find out that I'm lying or I'm telling you something that's not true, then come back and tell me, and I'll repent, and I'll repent in front of the whole church and let everybody know I was wrong in this particular area. And I have no problems whatsoever doing that. I'm 100% okay with doing that. This dude, he said, he said look, I, said, I, I told him, I said, man, you guys are always all hung up on like end times. It's always end time prophecy. I got a pamphlet here. It's got pictures of Hitler. And it's got like all this stuff about end times. I said, it seems to, is that like, I, I said, I don't mean to be rude. <laughs> I, I don't mean to like besmirch your little religion thing you got going on. But is that like how you draw people in? Like the sensationalism of end times? Is that like how you get people to, to come in and, and listen to whatever you're, you're preaching? Is that how you do it? You, just, you tell them about the end times. You're like, look at all these signs and there are earthquakes and, and like bad stuff happening in the world. There's famine in the world and people are starving. And that must mean the end of the world is coming soon. I said, is that how you do it? Is that how you draw them in? <laughs> he didn't really know what to say to that. He was like, uh, no. But he said, he said well, look, look at the Lord's Prayer. I said, okay, flip to it. Let's, let's look at it. He says, Look, he even says that we're supposed to pray for God's kingdom to come soon, right? That's what it says. The kingdom comes soon, right? Where is God's kingdom? Isn't God's kingdom in the hearts and lives of believers? Isn't God's kingdom when, when somebody does what we experience here today, what we got to witness here today, when somebody comes from death into life when they repent of sin and they come into God's kingdom? Doesn't that happen when we see people fall down at this altar and give their lives to Jesus Christ and say, you reign supreme in my life. I surrender everything to you and acknowledge the fact that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for my sin. Isn't that God's kingdom? Shouldn't we say then that what this is looking at and what this is saying is that we're wanting people to come into God's kingdom? That God, we want your kingdom to come into people's lives right now in this place? And this is really a prayer that God would save people. That's what Jesus is saying here. God, your kingdom come into lives right now. God, your kingdom rule and reign in people. God, save them and bring them into the kingdom. This guy was trying to tell me that it was talking about the end times. I said, that's not what it's talking about, man. That's not what it's talking about. Look at the rest of the passage. Look at the rest of what it says. It's not saying that we got to have the end times come now. God, come quickly. I hope you return right away so that, so that you can set everything right. Is there a side of me that wants that? Is there a side of me that wants everything to be set straight? Absolutely. But I know that no matter if he comes here or I go there in the next 80 years, I'm going I'm to see that happen. I'm going to see that happen. Peter says he's not slow. He's not slow and you're, you, you're thinking that he's slow in his return. He's being patient because it's his desire that none should perish but all come to repentance. That's God's plan. That's what he wants. That's how God's kingdom is supposed to come. In the form of hearts and, of believers that come to Jesus Christ. 
God, your kingdom come. Soon, quickly, right now. Save people, Father. That's what he's saying. This Jehovah's Witness is all mixed up. There are people out there that call themselves Christian. They're all mixed up. I'm like, man, why don't you read what it says? Read the book, man. It's right. We got God's word in our hands, and we neglect it every single day, don't we? Now, I mean, boy, I could get on a soapbox about that. But can you imagine for just a second? Excuse me. God's speaking to you. He's talking to you. He says, here, here are my words. I'm going to talk to you directly. He calls you by name and says, here, I'm about to speak to you. And you go, no thanks, appreciate it. Now, I, uh, whatever you have to say, I'm sure it's really good. I'm sure you got some good words for me. It's probably something I need to hear. I'm out. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, God. Have a good day. We do that same thing every single day. We got this book sitting on our coffee table or on our counter somewhere, and we say, ah, thanks, appreciate it, have a good day. God, I know it's your word, I know that you put the words on the page. Yes, you used men, but, but you breathed the truth into these men so that you could put these words on the page that would speak truth into my life, and it would change my life forever, but no thanks, I'm good, I'm just going to go do something else. That boggles my mind, dude, it really does. It, really, it blows my mind that we treat the word of God like that. Your kingdom come soon. May your will be done, done on earth as it is in heaven. Here, here, Jesus just simply says this. You reign supreme in heaven. Everything is at your bidding and at your control. And, and, and like, there's no more fleshly desires. And, and all, all Jesus is saying here, I believe, is that, is that, hey, may that happen here on this earth. May we put the flesh to the side and maybe we follow you and be obedient to you completely and maybe we do your bidding and we do everything that you desire and not what we desire. Here on the earth, we still got this flesh to contend with and I know it's a struggle. I deal with it every day. But Jesus is saying, look, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. May things go exactly the way they do in heaven. May that happen here on this earth. It's just that simple. And look what he talks about. Give us today the food we need. Give us today the food we need. I think most of us today are going to eat way more than we need. Am I right? Man, we, we, we pray about having jobs and being able to put food on the table. There's scarcely anybody in here that's gone a day hungry. You know what I'm saying? There's scarcely, I mean, we, you know, there's another passage I'm wanting to cover right now. Ugh. We're going to cover it maybe next week. I don't know. But, but I, I, there's so much I want to say to you guys, man. You, you guys, I'm glad, I'm glad that we have kind of like a time limit in our brains because I would just stand up here and just preach and preach and preach and you guys would be falling asleep and your stomachs would be growling and all that. But let me just say this about this particular, this particular line where it says, give us the food that we need. I think that we have a wrong concept of what we really need. Do you agree with that? What we think we need is not what we really need. It's more what we want than what we need. We don't want just 
some place. We don't want just the ability to get around. We need a car to get us around, right? God's given us legs and feet and the strength to walk around, but we don't necessarily want to use that. We need a car, and we need a nice car that doesn't break down all the time. Our perception of what we need and what we really need are like way off, okay? They're like way on the other side of the spectrum. And if you pray with somebody in Haiti who's probably not going to eat today, I promise you, your perspective on prayer will change. When when kids are out in the trash heap digging around for food that they're going to eat today, and you say, man, I need to pray that I will have this and I will have that, and you go, look at what they have. What you need is so far away from what, what you really need. What you think you need is so far away from what you really need. And I promise you, if you were to spend two minutes with some of these kids, man, and seeing just how thankful they are to be in an, or- in an orphanage where somebody will feed them every day, it will seriously change your perspective on what you think you need. He says, give us just the food that we need, not the things that we want. Give us what we need. We pray all the time for stuff we want, right? Not what we need. And forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Uh-oh. Whoa. I like the part about forgive us our sins. I like that part because I like to be forgiven. I really like the way it feels when I know that God has forgiven me. But don't throw in this whole other thing that i got to forgive other people too. Jesus says you've got to have both. Like if you, if you, want, if you want forgiveness, then you've got to be willing to give, forgive. Right, like if that's your your desire in your life is to be forgiven, fine. That's wonderful. You should do that. Now, all you gotta do is start by forgiving the people that you haven't forgiven. Start start with that, and and then we'll talk about forgiveness. I, I heard this the other day. I heard this the other day. So, I, I wish I could. I, I would tell you who I heard it from, but I, I would. I can't remember, but anyway, so they were talking about forgiveness. They were talking about the fact that, that if we can't forgive, what happens? So we, we acknowledge that God is capable of forgiving, right? We know that, and we all rejoice in that fact. You know, the fact that God is capable of forgiving, forgiveness for us for our sins and the things we've done to break God's heart. We, we rejoice in that, and we get fired up about that. But yet we can't do it ourselves, so if we can't do it ourselves, what are we saying? That we're not like God. We're not, we're not able to, to be Christ-like, which is to be Christian, right? That we're actually above God. That, that we're putting our play, ourselves, when we don't offer forgiveness, we're putting ourselves in a place above God and saying, I, I, I can do something that God can't even do. I'm going to hold back forgiveness. And here God is on this whole different plane where he's saying he's offering forgiveness over and over and over again. And all the things that you do that you know break God's heart. All the things that you do that you know are sinful and are against God and you continue to do them. And he continues to offer forgiveness. And yet we in our hearts say, well, I can't forgive them for that. You're just worshiping yourself and you're not worshiping God and you're not being Christ-like. You're not being like Jesus. Am I saying that, man, you got to go and hug somebody and kiss their neck and, and, and tell them you love them if they raped you? No, that's not what I'm saying. But there can be forgiveness in your heart. What about somebody that has murdered my son, murdered my daughter? Can, can I really offer forgiveness for them? Absolutely. Does that mean you're supposed to go and cry and wrap your arms around their neck? 
Not necessarily. It may not be the way that you do it, but you can still offer forgiveness in your heart. And you can even speak that to those people that have hurt you in some deep and damaging way. When you say that you can't forgive, you're saying, like, I'm above God. I'm doing something God can't even do. And God continues to pour out his grace and mercy on you. And yet we harbor bitterness. And don't lead us, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Simply here praying that, that, that God, we're going to be tempted. There are going to be things that come into our life. God, but don't let us yield to it. God, I need your power and your strength to keep me from the temptation, to keep me from being destroyed by the sinful desires of the flesh. God, I need your help in this regard. What did I say before? Prayer is all about saying, God, I trust you. And even in the the face of temptation, God, I trust you. Rescue us from the evil one. I know that Satan is setting a trap for me today. I know that he's preparing a way for me to fall. God, rescue me from that. And then look what it goes right back to in verse 14. And then we'll wrap up. It just says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's some pretty heavy words from the Son of God. Wouldn't you agree? That's some pretty heavy words from from the, the man who was present when all of creation started. Some pretty heavy words. You know what Jesus knew about you and me? You know what Jesus knew about every single person that was listening to his words that day? You know what he understood about human nature? Is that we all desire the greatest thing that God can give us, and that is forgiveness. He understood that our greatest need, when we lay our heads down at night, and we're gripped by fear, and we're worried about eternity, he knew that our greatest desire in our hearts was forgiveness. And he says, I open it, I give it to you openly. It's here, it's available to you. Now you go and make it available and open to everybody else. You know why? Do 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 you know why? It's because people will look and say, that's somebody who is a Christian, and that's somebody who loves like Jesus loves, and that's somebody who's able to forgive like Jesus forgave. And the only way that that can happen is through the power of God because that person doesn't deserve the forgiveness. That person doesn't have any desire for the forgiveness, but they're just giving it freely because that person is a Christian. That person is a Christ follower. That person is like God. That person is doing something supernatural, offering supernatural forgiveness because Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit lives within them. And he knew that forgiveness was the greatest need of all of mankind. You can be an atheist, a Buddhist, Hindu, it doesn't matter. I guarantee you, your biggest need, your biggest desire in your heart, when you lay down at night, what you need, what your heart really strives to attain is forgiveness from God. Because you know. You know that you've sinned. You know that you've broken God's heart. You know that you've went the other direction. You know that you turned your back on him. And you just want him to say, Come. You just want him to give you an invitation to come back to him and have him wrap his arms around you and say, You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. There's so many people in our lives, man. There's so many people in our lives that need that same thing and they need to see the power of Jesus Christ in and through us. When you pray, why don't you pray this way? 
Why don't you acknowledge God's supremacy above everything else? God, you rule and reign in my life. God, I really need very little. Whatever you choose to give me, God, I'm good with. Whether I have a lot or a little, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be content with whatever you give me. But the most important thing I want to give and offer to everybody around me is forgiveness because that's what's most important and that's what this world needs more than anything else is forgiveness. And people will see, because I forgave them when it didn't seem like I could, they will see the power of Jesus Christ. They will see that forgiveness is available to every single person. And I pray that I would be an instrument of forgiveness so that people would see the power of God in me. And somebody might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And your kingdom may come right now in the hearts and lives of the people around me. How about praying like that? How about praying like that? I'm going to pray. I'm going to do my best to pray to a holy God. I invite you to come. However God's challenged your heart through this word, if you need him as Savior, come and talk to me. I'd love to tell you how you can know him as Savior. If you just need to talk to God, I pray that you would do it in such a way that you acknowledge him for who he is. And you really take a deep, close look at what you really need. And that you would be used by God to bring people into the kingdom. Let me pray. Father, thank you. God, for the truth of your word, I know that so many times the Lord's prayer is taken out of context and people just stick it in wherever they think it belongs because it's something we're supposed to do. This is just a model prayer. This is the way Jesus teaches us to pray. The most important thing, Father, is forgiveness. We acknowledge that before your holy name. We acknowledge that forgiveness is the most important thing. Forgiveness for our sins and forgiveness for the people that have sinned against us, we acknowledge that before your holy name. Uh, there are people here that don't know you. They don't know what I'm talking about because the Holy Spirit doesn't live within them. But your Holy Spirit is working on them. And I, I just pray that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That they would come and say, God, I need you. I want you in my life. I invite you to be a part of my life. I pray that there, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, that that would happen with them today. Because, God, I pray that your kingdom would come. Right here, right now, I pray that your kingdom would come soon in the hearts and lives of the people that don't know you. And then for the people that are struggling with the difficulties in their life, God, I pray that they wouldn't be gripped by fear, but they would acknowledge that, God, everything that we endure is for, for your glory. It's for our ultimate good and for your glory. And, God, I just pray that people would recognize that and they would come and say, God, however you're to be glorified in my life, I pray that you would do that. God, use the circumstances in my life to bring people into your kingdom and for your glory. God, thank you so much for teaching us how to pray. Thank you so much for the power of your word. I just pray right now that people would acknowledge honestly and openly before you, God, the change that needs to happen in them. Maybe it's in their prayer life. Maybe it's in situations in their life. I pray that they would acknowledge that before you and just come humbly before your throne and ask you to forgive them. Ask you to change their ways and they can only do it through your power. God, be glorified in this time as we pray to you. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that holy, matchless name of Jesus Christ, that name is supreme and above all names, the name of the Lord of lords and the King of kings, the name of King Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we would humbly bow before that king today. And we would just acknowledge that's your kingdom and your forgiveness is the most important thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you all stand?